0: Hey y'all, it's Alex, data and pronouns. Hey, before we begin, I wanted to share that this episode contains content that discusses domestic abuse. Domestic abuse, also called domestic violence or intimate partner violence, can be defined as a pattern of behavior in any relationship that is used to gain or maintain power and control over an intimate partner. Abuse is physical, legal, financial, sexual, emotional, economic, or psychological actions, or threats of action that influence another person. This includes any behaviors that frighten, intimidate, terrorize, manipulate, hurt, humiliate, blame, injure, or wound someone. And domestic violence can happen to anyone of any race, age, sexual orientation, religion, or gender. It can occur within a range of relationships, including couples who are married, divorced, living together, or dating. And domestic violence affects all people of all socioeconomic backgrounds and education levels. If you feel you are in a domestic abusive situation and need support, remember you can reach out. The National Domestic Violence Hotline has a 24-hour services available via phone call, text, or email. You can reach them at thehotline.org. As a part of my support network, I connected with SPAN, Safe House Progressive Alliance for Nonviolence, located in Boulder, Colorado, and utilized the services they provide specifically specifically for LGBTQ folks. You can reach out to us here at How To Be Queer Podcast, and we can help get you connected to what you need. Hey, I'm here, and I'm very queer, and you, my beautiful ball of magic, are not alone. And now, the episode. Hey balls of magic. Welcome back to how to be queer podcast. My name is Alex. My pronouns are they, them. Hey, honey. Hi, I'm Kim. My pronouns are she, her. I'm going back for part two. We have people, other people in the room too, that we should sure introduce do. themselves. Hi. <laughs> I'm Dr. J. We got Dr. J in the house. They are here because our podcast is sponsored by Youth Seen. Go check it out: youthseen.org. Do- Dr. J, do you want to talk a little bit about Youth Seen?
1: Well, there's a lot to talk about. Well, about Youth Seen, but what specifically would you like to know?
2: You and tell our listeners what Youth Seen does. Yeah. Oh, what does Youth Seen
1: do? Well, we do. Our focus is on mental health and wellness and however
2: that looks and how that shows up. Wow, this is I know. Cool. It's totally this different, is, right?
1: I don't know how I feel about this.
2: We just moved Dr. J's mic closer to their mouth.
1: Mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. Andrea is sitting, staring at me and I can feel it as she sits to the right of me. So Youth Scene is very much about mental health and wellness. Um, and this podcast is a part of it and getting information and resources out to the community And with our programming, it really is about how the community wants and needs to show up. So we have Camp Scene, which is out being out in nature. We have Trans Scene, which is really focusing on families and trans and non-binary folks. We have our mental health with our clinicians. And then we have Black Pride Colorado, which is really a focus on Black, queer, non-binary and trans folks in the community.
2: If you've been listening to this podcast and you all hear me say this every single time, if you are a fan of this podcast and you are listening every other week, when we release these, you got to go over to that website and hit the donate button because that's how we're able to be here is support. And you had a support you'd seen, which supports us mm-hmm. drop some numbers
0: with a lot of zeros.
2: Please. Uh-huh. Because we're a highly produced podcast. Yep. Okay. Hey. And our other friend is here. You will recognize this voice. They have been on with us before. Our lovely, I, I refer to you as like our EP, like our executive producer, because you help us work out a lot of shit that comes across the airwaves. You want to say hi?
3: Hi. I'm Andrea Sampson. My pronouns are she, her. And I'm just here to witness. Yeah, I think you do a lot more than that. <laughs> well, Andrea
0: created the balls of magic logo. Mm-hmm. So there's that. You you have a rain, it was a rainbow sound wave that has multiple layers of meaning,
2: which I think pretty soon is like coming on different stuff, right? Like, didn't we look at, because it, we, we people that follow us, we call you balls of magic because we are balls of magic. Yeah. You, and can, you were telling me you're in like, put it on something so I can walk around with it. You can, you can put it on your flip-flops. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can walk around being a ball of magic.
2: Well, I already do <laughs> that, Alex.
0: <laughs> flip-flops, t-shirts, coffee mugs. Coffee mugs are really important. Reusable,
2: it's a, it's a reusable bags? That was Reus- what I wanted. I wanted a reusable bag.
0: I will make one just for you and I'll say Kimmy on it. I'll take it.
2: That feels that <laughs> okay. feels supportive. Captain Underbite and Rosie are with us. They're making noise. Dr. J looks incredibly uncomfortable. So y'all have been waiting for part two. Here it is. Here, here it comes. Um, I know that we're going to put probably a more formal trigger message on this, but this is your informal trigger warning. Um, We talk about things like domestic abuse on here. Um, Just know what you're getting into when you're listening to this one. Where we left everybody, we said it's going to get really, really, really intense. So, this is your, you might want to get out now.
0: Um, Trigger warning. Yeah, or grab your tissues. Or, or no, I don't know, whatever, whatever you need.
2: Maybe like sign yourself up for a kickboxing boxing class after this one, whatever, do you, whatever <laughs> feels right.
0: Sending yourself care. Sending yourself
2: care. As we all are trying to do. Um, So Alex, I'm going to say the other reason we have invited our two very dear, not only do they work with us and support us on this podcast, but they're also our chosen family. Yes. We have invited them in because there is so much to this story that this is one where you and I are like, we're, we're calling in the fam and the team for support because we can't actually get through
0: it. Just the two of us. And we've tried, Mm -hmm. we couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. We lived it. And then retelling it is a whole other animal.
2: Yeah. So we're going to hand over our, they're going to drive this one for us. Y'all ready? Me me. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we're
3: ready.
0: We're really
3: sure. Let's see. Okay. So I think the first thing everybody is going to want to know is how you feel after doing the first episode because it was a big one. You guys covered a lot of hard stuff.
0: Yeah, I think you know. Quite frankly, we 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 did a couple drafts of this episode, and I I think I went right into oh it was really challenging, and and I think um, there was a lot of. The history. I, I spoke a lot about um, the beginnings and who I was and who I was starting to be, and that's. I actually feel really good in this moment about how everything how it went, and um, this episode that we're going to do today actually feels um, a little bit like it'll be a little harder um, because it's so still close. But I feel strong and solid. Know exactly what what direction i'm going yeah which you know yeah
2: you are strong and solid yeah that's who you are hey hey hi
0: we're gonna keep it keep it also hilarious because you know that's what we do that's how i disarm my <laughs> <laughs> this is so, so scary no i'm just kidding
1: well i i actually want to go back um because i was re-listening to the last episode mm-hmm. um and really just taking in because we were, we were all involved in some way Mm -hmm. and specifically around your support. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about as you were talking about it, what was coming up for you? Because it's, you're reliving it. And while you're in a much better space now, and like, you know, that you have all the support, what was actually coming up for you as
0: you were telling, telling your story? I think what was interesting is that um, I was, Going back into the house that I was in, but I was following myself around. I wasn't in it anymore. I was witnessing myself, this different, um, which I think just speaks to, for me, it made how it makes it easier t- to talk about. Um, I think there's aspects that I actually still haven't unpacked yet that are really painful, and um, like the like some of the situations and um, conversations and, um, things that were said and done. And it's like, it's still really hard. Um, but I have, I feel really empowered being able to in my head, follow myself around in the house being like, I'm here. I've always been here with you. You're going to go through this thing and it's going to be brutal and you're okay. You, you did come out, in some sense on the other side. And we're, we're, we're okay now, (laughs) just like you always wanted.
1: With that, um, when you're talking about communication, um, and specifically how communication happened through that whole thing, can you talk about talking parents Mm -hmm. and how one that documents? Yeah. And two, why talking parents? Like if you can go into that a little bit.
0: Yeah. I, um, in the summer of 2019, we were in the middle of our divorce and we were only communicating basically through, through our phones, through text and text and email and, um, phone calls. And I, and I knew enough about abuse that I need everything documented. And I was at, I was performing at a, a drag show one night and I got this text from him saying, um, you have borderline personality disorder. You're, you're mentally unwell. Um, you need to get some help for yourself and for the kids. And I was like, enough, enough you. So it was an attempt. I knew about talking parents in the divorce world that a lot of people use these, these kind of apps because you can't erase anything like he could. So I got it. I just wrote back and I was like, you may only contact me now through talking parents. It didn't stop him from verbally like, you know, in um from, from abusing me, but at least documented everything. And then he would write something and he wouldn't be able to go back and like erase it. Um so yeah, I mean you look through our 265 pages of talking parents messages and it is riddled he's with sad.
2: he's had an awful lot to say. Yeah. You know. It's highly produced. Um, sorry about that apparently i don't know how to use my microphone after like how many episodes that we've been doing don't mind me folks um you were talking about the 200 and some talking parents messages yeah i just wanted to say that you know we we got to a point where every morning you know we would wake up and the first thing I would always like roll over and say to you, besides, it's like, hey. <laughs> yeah, after I got that auto, it was normally how many came in overnight, like yeah. how many abusive messages, and that became our norm, which is really messed up. Uh huh. And so, even though, like you're saying, like you had limited to, hey, you can only contact me through here. It was completely ignored for the mm-hmm. most part,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, which is going to come up later in in our story, but. It is, it is, it, when you get to a point where you're living with a normalization of how many abusive messages did you get last night? That's how you know shit is really fucked up.
0: Yeah, I think there, I can compartmentalize or, or, or there, um, acknowledge that there were chapters of Talking Parents where I did spend some time trying to get him to stop trying mm-hmm. to get him to stop saying what he was saying and to stop abusing me and to be and to be like can you just understand and treat me like a human and then it became like oh no because he's so predictably unpredictable mm-hmm. that i was like nope i'm going to i'm now two steps ahead of you i know your game i called your bluff and now i'm going to lead you right down where i want you which is just keep it coming. Keep it coming. Let's document all this bullshit.
2: Well, he also sent us a 28-page document at one point um, in, through Talking Parents, which was outlining every single thing we had been doing. And yeah. this is like normal life stuff that we were doing. Yeah, he titled it uh, Parental Infractions. And it's things like... There's, there's, you know, maybe a picture that we posted on social media of us together. And that would be and and that's a, that's a very unnerving thing to get mm-hmm. um, a 28 page document outlining everything you've been doing. And this was like in the and 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 right now, like we're still in COVID, like we're at home all the time. I'm
0: like, Alex, what are
2: we even doing? <laughs> that's that's 28 pages worth of looking at. Yeah. Um, so it, it was talking parents. It it does end up being like 250 some how many? I mean, it was so it was just a huge, huge document. And then in, in addition to that, there's all the attachments that he would put in, which was basically showing that he was cyber stalking us too.
0: Yeah. And that was part of the abuse, is he's like, I'm gonna. I'm going to give you all of these ways I'm watching you that will passively intimidate you out of living. And this becomes really a theme. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. No. You don't know who I am.
3: Well, let's... (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's gonna on go, track. Yeah, it's going to go into all of this. And so I'm going to jump us back into where we ended the last episode. And so do a little bit of a recap for everyone to just remind them. So I think, you know, you'd promised it was going to get a lot crazier mm-hmm. and it is. If mm-hmm. um, you want to just step back and kind of remind everybody of where we left off last August as you were getting ready to sign the next, the new parenting plan.
0: Yeah, so we'd worked all summer to, um, with both with lawyers, to get a parenting plan um, in place. And around August, I guess it was, he I, I got a notice that he had had irreconcilable differences with his lawyer and um, she was no longer representing him and he was representing himself and wrote in Talking Parents that negotiations would now start over. <laughs> And that was one of the first flags. I'm like, you have never wanted this to have any resolution. You just want to keep you, you want to stay in chaos.
2: Well, and the other key thing that he put in there too, was that he was, he was basically saying, I'm not taking any parenting time unless you give me what I want. Yes. Which we still, it's still, I think what he, it, it's never been super clear about what he wanted. Um, because that would mean that you're like putting it down on paper and you're signing it. You're, you're, you know, reaching some type of resolution, but I believe at that time it was that you were going to cover his parenting time during the day. He would get sleepovers for like 12 hours with the kids. Um, and it was going to continue to be incredibly disruptive to, to, to two small kids. Yeah. And so he basically tells you, I'm not going to see the kids. You have to figure this out indefinitely on your own. Um, and you had said like, do you remember what you, what you said? It felt like to hear that this was all
0: going to start over and he wasn't even going to bother to see his own children. Yeah. I mean, I'd been gut punched and like, it felt like I got hit in the head and like gut punched and also it like physically like the pain, but it was a baseball bat to my stomach emotionally. But he knew that. Yeah. I think on some level he knew that and he was just like, I'm going to, cause they just like get right in there. I'm like, okay, you can totally knock, you can try to knock me down. I'm probably going to lose some air for, for a day. And then I'm right back up. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: But it was, it was like, when, when that hit, when I read that, I'm like, oh, we are in, then that opened up that ignited this, like, we are headed to court. Mm -hmm. This is bigger than I wanted it to be, but this is what I've always known it would be. Yeah. Cause nobody wants to go to court. No. I mean, I'm mean, even like looking back on this relinquishing parental rights discussion and he wrote all that and talking parents. I'm like, anyway, y'all don't want to hear about all that.
3: <laughs> well, how long did it, how long did he not see the kids? Like, so this was, you know, be, night before school, he mm-hmm. says he can't take care of them. Can't won't sign the agreement. Can't get childcare. How long did you guys live through that?
0: Um, it was eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And then he, we got him to basically, um, I forget what the what my lawyer was like trying to get him to, she's like, if he reaches out for parenting time, you know, you have to give it to him. And, and he he reached out when his mommy was coming in I just keep saying his mommy because, you know, he had to sh- show what a great daddy is. After abandoning his After kids abandoning for eight weeks, trying
2: to threaten you into giving him what he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of that and I think of dad of the year. Oh, yeah. Go dad. Give yourself a gold star. Yeah. Mom came to town. That's what ended it.
1: Um, one of the things that I want to ask is around the communication with mom coming in and that interaction that you had. And also just the correlation of knowing how his mom is with him and her coming into town and how that would switch his behavior.
0: I know it's a doctor question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> am I still not? My bad I, mom, I So something? I am totally pulling in the Dr. J here. Let me ask a different way. So when mom comes into town, yeah, how did he usually act?
0: Oh, best behavior. Yeah. The mask, you know, he's super dad, super dad. Yeah. Just playing a part that he's always played probably in his family. I mean,
2: he plays, he, he plays that part, not just in front of his mom, but depending on, you know, who the audience is. And, And you had mentioned it in the first, in the first episode of, you know, on the surface, you would look at this person and think, oh my gosh, like what a great human being. Um, and then you see the mask slip. Uh-huh. And so I would just, I would say a lot of times it's just, you know, that mask is up and on depending on who the audience is. And that's why it's so terrifying when the mask slips and you see what's really there. Yeah. Take a breath. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm going to, I'm understanding a lot of the, a lot of layers are coming in for me right now of of understanding, but it's um, just something I just don't want to be a part of Mm -hmm. at all. Mm
1: -hmm. So it's mom coming into town, which signifies for him, oh, I should probably touch base with my kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Not because he actually actually wanted or cared for his children that he had just abandoned for months Mm
0: -hmm.
2: while threatening the children's mother. Yeah. (laughs) And that was the only thing that temporarily paused
0: it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that just ignited the, every other, um, yeah. Time that he got. I feel like
2: there's our listeners always get this question too, which is like, why would you, why would you let, let the children see him? And you, you, we've talked about this a little bit, but there's a standing court order. That Mm -hmm. if you, when he, uh, he had to ask for the children, but when he did, if you didn't comply with it, you would have been found in contempt of court. Yeah. So the way that the court system worked is because there's a standing order, you have to comply, even though he had completely broken down and had not even attempted to see his children for weeks Mm -hmm. because of that standing court order. Had you not, when he said, Hey, I want to see the kids, my mom's coming to town if you didn't comply, you could have been facing in contempt of court, which does can carry a jail sentence,
0: mm-hmm. which, which is like, you know, what
2: he threatened me with. Well, I was going to say, spoiler alert. <laughs> that's going to come up again. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Through this, what does child support even look like? Because it's like, you're giving all of these, these things that you have to Agree with but not agree with, follow, so you're not in contempt of court.
0: Like, what does child support look like?
2: Funny you should ask.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think I want to say too, like how how fucking slow the court system is, and that life happens in real time and things can just change so quickly. And so um child support was child support when we got divorced, and then um I had I sent him, um, let's open it up. Well,
2: while you're opening that, child support had been based off of a 50-50 parenting split. Yes. And up until, and I don't believe that that's ever been the case. I think it's been since the moment your divorce was um, finalized, It's it's been somewhere between 20 and 30% um, that he's had custody and the remaining of the time has been Alex's. So even though the court said 50, 50, and your, your, your child support payments are based off of that, it, we were
0: nowhere close to that in reality. Yeah. Cause he, he, he did the bare minimum. He, he did the overnights. He did the 12 hours overnights, but did not manage the days at all, which made it very difficult for you to work. Yeah. So to the, to the child support piece, um, the kids went over there one weekend and, We're supposed to, it's in the order. We're supposed to have equal communication between the parents um, when the kids are not from that, in that house. And it was going on like day three and I had not heard from them or, or him. And of course my brain is like, it's going, it's going nuts. And I'm, and so I, in good faith called the police department and I said, Hey, my kids are over with their dad. I haven't heard from them for three days, Um, I'm just being a concerned mom, like I don't want the police to show up to the house, but I also don't know what else to do. And they were like, we understand, Um, we'll go over and just make sure everything's okay. And so they went over, all of a sudden I get messages. Hey, we're, we were just having a great time this weekend. We kind of just forgot the phone and you know, we're just, we're having a great time over here. Um, Meanwhile, we were like going out of our minds over we here. Were, we were going out of our minds. And so then that was in December. So then in January I get a note with child support check for $10. And the note said, I believe my point has been made spend and save this money on and for the kids do not spend this money on me. In addition to that, there was also a letter. So this was all because he, because I called in good faith. He was like, I can't believe you. I mean, because the first thing on the, on the superfluous expenses, because then he started to deduct from the child support because he just thought he could, you know, just do that, charge me and the kids for whatever he wants to. Um, Share
2: with everybody's Just of the he
0: charged you oh, this is awesome. <laughs> this, is, this is hysterical. So the first one was required police support at exchange caused undue trauma. That was for $120. Unnecessary. Un, this is where it connects to... Um, um, the lead up unnecessary <laughs> unnecessary police wellness check that was for $240 okay that so we're caused, establishing a pattern here <laughs> that caused a significant that caused a lot of trauma to him
3: that um, could only be made
0: right by dollars it only Thank you be made right by money um, unrequested Krispy Kreme donuts with DoorDash delivery for real <laughs> And because, and that
1: was, but he didn't pay for any of this. If I remember correctly, that
2: was here's for the kids for him and the kids to enjoy for his birthday,
0: happy birthday from the kids,
1: but it was inconvenient for him. Yes. Got it.
0: Yes. Um, unrequested Christmas bread delivered to the door. That was also $20.
2: And again, a Christmas present from
3: his kids. Yeah. So let's just clarify. You paid money (laughs) for a Krispy Kreme donuts to be delivered to him. And he charged you by deducting this off of your child's part. I just want that to be super clear. Uh
1: It's going to get worse. Thank you for. I also just (laughs) want to acknowledge we are giggling over here because of the fact that this, the odd audacity right. of this <laughs> I mean,
2: it's crispy cream this is what i'm saying it's like how are you going to charge Krispy someone else
1: Kreme? back for
0: crispy cream
2: is <laughs> that christmas bread you're talking about that's like your favorite christmas bread you I, love that stuff and, and it was like a, hey it, it's,
0: it's the whole foods christmas and it's that's the good shit and it's they the don't almond sell that. marzipan oh,
2: they don't sell that all year round
0: they don't
2: and that's like a limited edition you had to work to get that i burnt <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you did. I did. I burned. I, I did. I had to work to get that. <laughs> charge me double.
3: Okay. What else did
2: he charge you for? Okay. Because
0: I know our listeners are probably like, this list is done, right? Nope. Oh not No. Done. We're about halfway there. <laughs> Unrequested. Uh, I'm sorry. Unnecessary necklace postage delivered by USPS. Okay. So the story behind this is that when your, we, Dr. G's face is
1: amazing during uh, this. Okay.
0: You feel free to like, you know, add in some comments. Um, when we were married, his mom gave me a, 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 a necklace and earring set. And so I, one day I find the necklace and I'm like, this isn't mine. I'm going to give it back. So I mailed it back to him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and he deducted that
0: from your child's. I bet. And yeah, I bet he probably sold it. Cause he, you know, anyway, That's what we do. That's what we do. That's when we all, we just care about money.
2: (laughs) Fuck fuck family. How much much was the necklace, earring set and postage worth? What was the deduction for that? Was it more or less than Krispy Kreme? Uh, The postage was, it was
0: also $20.
2: Which again, he didn't
0: pay for. He didn't pay for.
2: You paid $20 to have this sent back to him because you felt it was, it was, it was his family's. Yeah. And then he charged you $20. Yeah.
0: Yes. Correct. So you th-
2: paid $40 total. <laughs> right.
3: So I'm doing the math. Yes.
0: Yes, this is correct. Okay, here's my favorite um unrequested uh Mary Trump book delivered <laughs> <laughs> delivered by Amazon. Okay, so this is probably like one of This the, is maybe a little snarky. This is this is one of like the snarky petty things that I did. And also delivered in good faith that maybe he would read this book and be like, this is my family. I should wake the fuck up. Um yeah, he he wasn't very amused. I thought it was hilarious. What was I thought it was hilarious? What did Mary Trump cost? Um that was 20.
2: Well at least Mary Trump and Krispy Kreme are considered the same right <laughs> they're Don't. both both emotional you know, stressor of
0: of $20 mm-hmm. noted. Um unlawfully removing the children from therapy. Oh, that was a, that was a journey on Mm -hmm. that one.
1: Can you give a little bit more explanation Uh,
0: on what that actually means? So into the parenting plan was written that the kids would have therapy. And I was like, yep, absolutely. We're going to, everyone needs therapy. Let's all do therapy. So, and he was hell bent on it being this one specific place. And I said, great. And- we need to have a queer affirming someone in this facility who understands how to care for queer people, queer identities. And um, so the first therapist that they had, we had an instance where basic um, we had a a situation where he called her and then she called me. And it was basically saying that, he was concerned about sexual abuse. And I said, do you understand the, I told, I told this therapist, do you understand like the narrative around LGBT, all these things? I I broke down stuff. Am I like going off? Well, can I share
2: what what the
0: the, the claim
2: was? So at the time and anybody, any parents out there, you're going to, you're going to know what I'm talking about right away. We have uh, Alex, everybody knows this, Alex and I share four kids together at the time, the two youngest kids who are, he is the biological father of, I think they were probably like six and seven, seven and eight, something like that. Little, little kids. And so like most parents, when you are trying to care, because again, remember he's not caring for the kids. So we're doing it all and to save time at night, a lot of times you'd be like, Hey, one kid get in the shower. The other kid get in the shower. Sometimes kids like I bathed with my sister. Most kid, most siblings do this. Yeah. And so the kids were joking around saying, Hey, it's time for our naked party. It's naked kid party time. That's what he reported that we were having naked parties with the kids at our house. And I'm like, that's actually just called like bedtime. And so that's what got reported he reported it to this therapist and in and this therapist, I guess, had some type of duty to be like, well, I've got to call them and say, we heard there's naked parties at your house. Yeah, And you and I both felt like this is, and I haven't asked you to actually Dr. J to step in on this because to to both of us, it's like, are you kidding me? Like we're, we're, you're, and it it just started because this is a harmful narrative that happens to members of the LGBTQ community, because we are consistently over-sexualized. And that is what this therapist was doing. Well, I think that there's also more to that.
1: So there's more context where it's, yes, he was saying that with the naked parties, but what was
2: he sending you, Kim? Oh my God. He was sending me pictures of my 12 year old daughter and saying, and she was dancing in um, a social media video. And she was, I mean, she may have even been an 11 at the time. And he's sending her pictures of her to me saying, I feel like this is child exploitation. And let me tell you, she's dancing in an oversized T shirt and a pair of bike shorts. Yeah. fully clothed, just a little girl having fun with her siblings dancing. Yeah. And so he's like, don't you?" Th-. And of course I never respond to anything. He says, I don't engage with him, but when he sent that to me, you know, and this is the thing, it's not what I see. He's telling me what he sees. So he sees an 11 year old girl dancing and he says that's exploitive. I'm like, I see a kid dancing. What are you seeing? And that's what was so messed up. Oh, I can't. That's the one you want to see my Sicilian blood boil. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, as you're talking about
1: this, because I do remember y'all bringing this up and me just sitting back as a therapist myself and really taking into context, this therapist is not seeing the rest of the story. No. Yeah. It's also fair to say that, you know, when therapists are hearing a story, they're only going to hear one side, yeah. right? So they're, they're obviously going to take the side of who they're working with. And knowing already that this was a messy situation and that they weren't able to take a step back to say, there's got to be more than this. Yeah. So I know when I first hear, okay, naked party, what are the ages of the kids?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What is the environment that the kids are in? How are the parents? And if this is already a divorce, there's a lot of information I don't have. Yeah. And how that can go into documentation, specifically with the courts and mess things up. Because that's like, that's asking for the kids to be taken away, which is never the result people want. Right. Mm -hmm. Unless there is something severely wrong. Mm-hmm. Which in this case, they were getting all the nurturing, all the love, all the support, going to bed on time, you know, clean, clean, clean. Mm-hmm. Krispy Kreme <laughs> in the morning, right. like they were getting, they were getting the things that they need. So like, just even talking further about that, where it's not only is he, I'm going to use the word harassing you, yeah, mm-hmm. he is now harassing your partner
2: mm-hmm.
1: and stalking your child.
0: Yeah. And
2: mind you, he still has no way of taking care of his own at this point.
0: Yeah. And there's oh there's just there's one more thing on the list. So the unlawfully removing, that was for 140. and then the failure failure to notify co-parent of leaving town to visit mountains mm-hmm. with we went like to what two hours away, less than and that we, was for 60 bucks anyway.
2: We took the kids
0: camping. How dare we? Mm-hmm.
2: when he was, of course, not seeing them. And we thought might be fun to take the kids camping. That chart. How much was that one? 120.
0: Uh yeah, 140, 120, 140.
2: So like that. so w- more troubling than Krispy Kreme, but you know, still.
0: <laughs> I have the
2: text that's
0: from him to you right here. Oh, well, I don't even know if I can hear it. I yeah, really so don't. We don't need to we need to read it.
3: Okay. I'm gonna pull us back on track because we've got a lot to cover still.
0: Yeah.
3: So all of this happens. Yeah. We you get the reduced child support, you're dealing with this kind of harassment, two motions have to be filed. Yeah. Let's go back to the legal piece, what happens.
0: So I was beginning to understand that I was in very waters that were like I did I couldn't they were over my head. So um I, spe- I began speaking to a lawyer and she's like, what about your child support order? And I'm like, I don't have one. And she's like, what? And, and so I told her what happened. She was like, oh, you can use this FSR, this family services registry. I'm going to make sure I get it right. Um, I'll put it on the website to basically um, they'll work for you and they'll get a child support order. So, and it's free and it's free. So I got to basically submit all the paperwork. And then it was, I didn't have to hire a lawyer. I didn't, it was like an amazing service for the state of Colorado.
2: But essentially what it does is that if you are under a child support order, which almost all divorced families, when you have children, like you, you, you have it, it's a math equation. It's what, you know, what child support is owed to what parent it automatically deducts it from a person's paycheck. So if you're receiving a paycheck and it's and this is the thing i've heard of other other parents sometimes getting paid under the table to try to avoid this so if you're you know getting legitimate you know pay you're getting taxes deducted you're filing with the irs this system it you can't change it even if you wanted to you would have to work through the system it automatically deducts it so essentially what that did is it stopped him from being able to say i don't feel like paying child support this month so i'm going to make up a bunch yeah. of stuff and give you $10 And so that, that was one of the free resources out there
0: that if, you know, I wish, I wish it was more well-known. Yeah. 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 I think, and, and, and they also, there's, there's different options how, yeah. Yes. But that's, it's a good resource for people to use. And then there were the two other motions that, so So that was the resource. And then your lawyer had to file two motions. Yeah. So then we got to the point, um, the place where we kind of ended the last episode where we had to file and we've been, um, Trying to avoid it, but also knowing we were headed down this road of, t- of two motions because he wouldn't f- sign anything, motion to modify parenting time and motion to modify decision making.
2: I know we're going to get into um, decision making and why, because that's a whole- We could do a whole episode on that. We could do an entire episode on it, but I do want to just state, because Dr. J, this was something you and I spent a lot of time talking about, is it's really important that we note here what money and access- does for you through mm-hmm. this process. Mm-hmm. And so you know, Alex, you and I both we had money. That was the one thing we had in our corner with this. Um we had the money to hire a lawyer and say as you were just saying like we're in over our heads. This is I know, you know, lots of people you can even once you get divorced when you have to make small changes, you usually don't go back through a court system or a lawyer. You work together to say hey this isn't working or hey my job changed or whatever it is life goes on and you work those changes out with a co-parent we were not in that situation and so lawyers are expensive mm-hmm. um and money was the thing that was going to really help us because mm-hmm. we were able to hire a lawyer and so there was two things that were going on there was the interpersonal abuse that you were facing and now we're switching into we're what what, what I would consider systematic abuse. So it's going to be abuse through a court system. Mm -hmm. If you don't have money to hire a lawyer to help you navigate the systems of the court, it's going to be really, really hard. And so what Dr. J and I had been talking about was, you know, Alex and I are both white. We had access to money. We had some familiarity of like, hey, I can go to a lawyer and a lawyer will take this up for me. Yeah. Um, we had some access to information about some of the things that were happening, which we're going to get into, I think, in the third episode. You know, we just had, because we had a history of access that we knew, I think we can fight here, yeah. right? Because you had even said like, you are still dealing with almost, you know, at this time, like thinking like, can I do this? Can I not do this? Like, it really starts to mess with you. Mm -hmm. So we talk about this on, on this podcast a lot. We always want to highlight injustices when we see it. If you are not a person who is used to access, if you are a person that doesn't have access to money, if you are not a person who has an identity that power is usually going to help, this is, it's not fair how the system works. Mm -hmm. Once again which we know our systems were built to absolutely help some and not others. We were, we were a family that showed up looking a certain way with a certain amount of money, the system, we were going to be able to work with it. Had we not had that, I think we would have been scared out of it. Yeah. Is there anything, I know Tara, we talked about this a lot over the last week. I'm going to ask you to go in because it's so, it's so emotional for me, but I can't even, I mean, tell everybody what you're thinking too.
1: Well, I think, you know, even as we were having these conversations, the big thing that kept coming up was, I'm so glad that y'all have the resources and you have the ability to do that. And specifically with the identities that, you know, we're, we're coming up with this, this whole thing. And it still doesn't take away that it's it's scary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you you went through this process, Alex, of like, oh shit, am I going to jail? <laughs> and then having these conversations with Kim where it was like, Well, if Alex wasn't white, that's probably what would happen, right? Mm -hmm. You know, where it's like, okay, yes, it's scary. And you do have a level of security in a way that there's many families that don't have that. And with that money also means that you had access to lawyers who are going to do the research for Mm -hmm. you, dig into it instead of the lawyers that are just like, okay, so this is yet just another thing and we just need to deal with it in that way. And those conversations are hard, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's oftentimes as you're talking about, you know, power and privilege, many times it's, oh, well, you're taking away my experience. No, not at all. It is very much like your experience is still very important, which is why you're using your power and privilege Mm -hmm. to be able to tell folks, Mm -hmm telling where those resources are. So you're keeping that access available to other folks and really talking about those emotions that came through. Cause it's, it's
2: going to help other folks. Right. I mean, I hope so. That's what yeah. we've said. Like, why do this? Why put yourself through having to relive all of this and look, the, 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 relationship that existed between the two of us, like this is, we're about to get married when all this is going on, mm-hmm. we're, we're literally planning a wedding, <laughs> While We're, we're going through this. Well, actually, Andrea and Tara planned our wedding. We didn't plan it. I was like, I'm not doing shit. I don't, I don't want to do, I want to get married, but I didn't want to do they
0: sat us down at dinner and said, look, <laughs> you guys are going to get married and this is what we're going to do. Yeah. But
2: you, when we talk about what had, to, what trust had to exist between you and I to say, yep, we're going to hire this lawyer because you're not talking about a small amount of money either. <laughs> we're talking about tens of thousands of dollars that go into just trying to get this person. And he's charging us for Krispy Kreme donuts. Like seriously, we're tens of thousands of dollars in. Right. And it's, you know, one of the things that that we, we have talked about
1: is the fact that like you, you paid for someone's salary essentially Mm -hmm. through this process Mm -hmm. that most folks don't have access to.
2: And yeah. (laughs) yeah. And it's, that's hard. That's super hard, but at the heart of it, and maybe, I don't know, Andrea, how, how off am I to say, like, we need to talk about, cause trying to get parenting times squared away so that, cause we need the kids to have consistency. I mean, that's like the one thing we haven't really talked about too much, but I guess it goes without being said there's two kids at the heart of this that we're trying to explain why Dad is here and then Dad is not here. Dad's here, Dad's not there. Mm-hmm. So getting getting a consistent schedule for the kids is is really important. And then the second thing when we say decision making for Ari, um, that is at the at the heart of what like when we talk about access and money and all this stuff, that's that's really what is at the heart of this whole experience for us was we were fighting for a kid. Yeah. We're not really, you and I were like, yeah, this, this bullshit that's going on. Like we would have figured out how to have dealt with it. Yeah. We couldn't stop fighting because there's a very special kid
3: at the heart of this.
0: Yeah. It would have, it would have been oh, disastrous. So but, or, or, yeah.
3: really quick. And I know that probably decision-making is a whole episode, but yeah. can you it just is. give like a really brief overview of when we're talking about decision-making rights for Ari, what is that for the listeners that don't really understand?
0: Um, we started talking about it specifically because around her care as a, as a transgender identity. Um, and I had began to have conversations with her dad two years ago, knowing and putting it in talking parents, knowing that this would, this would absolutely come back around. And um, so it was medical, Psychological
2: therapy, okay? shoulder. Oh. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> <Zoom on. laughs>
0: um, medical, um, psychological, therapeutic, um, decision making, and you know, um, just that she had the access that she had the choice. But the way things were going, he kept roadblocking, stopping appointments, making them, canceling them, um, refusing to consent to appointments, refusing to abide by the therapist's recommendations. It was one thing after it was arguing with doctors. It was one thing after another where he was deliberately slowing the pace of life. And so, you know, I was like, no, you know, she's at an age where she's pretty fucking close to puberty. And this is, we're a year in, we don't have time to wait. And um, I know that not everybody gets that up. Go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say, even with this, um, talking about the privilege mm-hmm. being yeah. in Colorado, that we have these <laughs> types of services. Yeah. So could y'all talk a little bit about that?
2: Oh, I'll, t- I'll take that one. Sure. But in Colorado, we just passed gender affirming care. And- I mean, we're looking at, we, we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, so I'll keep it brief, but y'all will remember, we've been talking about the blocking of of care that even being able to say the word transgender in, in certain states um, that you can't even identify. And if a child is identified as that, parents could be cha- pay, uh, facing jail time in Texas specifically. Um, not only could a parent be facing jail time, but any provider that offers care to a child that is wanting to even just explore identity, they can be facing jail time. And so in Colorado, you know, that was a law that was passed here in the last year that guaranteeing that gender affirming care is a part of care that has to be offered. Um, You can't, in other words, you couldn't block it and you can't (laughs) You can't imprison somebody for wanting to um, provide that type of care. So we were extraordinarily lucky where we lived that we had access to multiple providers. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see what happens in the, in the future. I know we've got a couple things coming up in Colorado where school boards are trying to send through anti-LGBQ uh, legislation for grades four and under. Um, but as of right now, we have access to this care, which if you're in another state, like I, I always say I always say this on this podcast. You call us, mm-hmm. <laughs> you send us an email. We got a nice place that you can come and stay, uh-huh. and we will help take care of you. Yeah, how to be queer
0: podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, so we had gone, but, but that was why. This is why having decision making because, and we'll. I think when we get to the last episode, um, we'll talk specifically about what happened the weekend before trial because this is going to come up. And we kind of get a peek into how dangerous this could have
0: been. Yeah. Um, I had,
2: yeah, it was really, it gets really scary.
0: Yeah. It, you were risking, you know, what, where were people at? And, you know, you just, you're fighting for your life, but you're fighting against these biases and systems that like, this is a kid. Can you just, we just want to get her care. These adults are getting in her way. Her own parent is in her way. Anyway. Okay. Go ahead. So is this what happened at mediation? Oh. So media. <laughs> so once we filed these motions, um, you have to go to mediation, yeah, the way I, mean, I understood it. You have to. You
2: can't go, you can't go in front of a judge until you go through a mediation yeah, process. It's
0: kind of like they want you to basically you know, trial is last, of course, last resort, whatever. So mediation, I'm like, this is gonna be a waste of fucking time, but okay, here we go. <laughs> and Went to, to mediation. Well, Kim and actually you're a certified mediator. So yeah. you should, you want to, do you want to share, can, yeah. unpack? So little known fact about me. I'm a
2: certified mediator. <laughs> I find it to be a very helpful life skill because it, conflict is something that should be mediated. You should always try to come to the table and see where you have agreement and try to build off of that. Yeah. So I understand why they would say, try to go to mediation, because for most people, you're still somewhat in control of what's going to happen to your life. Whereas if you go in front of a judge, you have no control. That judge is deciding what's going to happen. So mediation is a super useful tool um, it, it, helps you, it, you know, it, it basically, it's going to start where like, where can we agree on one thing? Mm-hmm. Because it's not, there's all sorts of statistics that if you can agree on one thing, then the next agreement is easier. The next, and it's like a snowball effect. Did that happen? Oh God, no. <laughs> so, and, and this is nothing against that mediator, but oh, like no. I've mediated tons of stuff and I don't think this has ever happened to me before, but the, we get on with the mediator, Alex and I are in one zoom room And then there's the mediator and up pops him and he says, I can't be on screen with Alex. And so he has to go to his own separate Zoom room. And so right from there, I was like, this is not a good sign. If you can't, we can't sit, you know, we can't even sit in the same Zoom room with each other. Um, And so the mediator talks to us, you know, very briefly, you know, our lawyers like, look, they just want a parenting agreement. Um well, it's the way he, he kept himself a victim. Oh, anyway. Okay. Sorry. No, no, no. It's 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 I'm giving you the logistical. And Alex always comes in and reminds us that there's feelings involved in this <laughs> where I'm just like, fuck this shit. Um, so but essentially, long story short, you know, the mediator got on with him and it was 20 minutes later. The mediator comes back and her exact quote was, This guy needs a judge. We're ending mediation right now. Yep. What was he asking for? So that, thank you for asking up to this point, we had no idea what he was asking for. And then I'm going to, I'm going to hand it off to somebody else because this is partly like as the partner in this, this is some of the, sometimes this is the stuff that's hard for me to see because I wasn't conditioned or used to, to facing this type of abuse. So he comes back and he's saying he wants 80% custody of the kids and he wants full decision making. And so. I understand. I was, f- I was floored yeah. when I heard that. Cause this is a person that can't manage 20% of their parenting time and has shown that he can't even. And I think I was asking you this, maybe this isn't another part of our outline, but at this point, had he ever taken the kids to a doctor's appointment? No. Does he go to t- parent teacher school conferences? Uh, I think maybe once. Does he sign them up for activities? Does he get them to and from practices? No. Like there's been no executive function. He can't get them to school. He can't pick them up from school. I mean, we're, he'd never, has he ever taken them to a dentist? Or no. Orthodontist? No. Um, therapy appointments. Who was doing therapy appointments?
0: Um, he was for a while and now it's all me.
2: So I'm like, but the, this is like, you're going to do 80% parent time. And I want to say, Alex, this isn't just since your divorce. Yeah, correct. This has been since birth. Yeah. And so this is a person who less than six months ago said, I'm not going to, I'm going to give up my parental rights. Finally is like, I want 80% parenting time and I want to make all the decisions for them. It was, that to me was like a, it was a sucker punch because my Sicilian rage was like, I will fight. I am at the point now where I'm like ready to, and I'm not really, I'm, I'm scrappy, but like I wouldn't actually fight someone would you, you might, I don't know.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm staring at you as you say that. Cause we definitely like have fight club at work. So like, I don't, I just want to bring that up. I will fight
2: you with my words, <laughs> not my hands, but as, but what I, what I learned and Alex, you're going to have to help me out or Dr. J or Andrea, what I had to learn as a person trying to get up to speed really quickly about what domestic abuse looks like. The reason that mediation wasn't gonna work was because this was someone who was counting on being able to stay in a process that would allow him to continue to abuse and mediation would have ended it like that. And I couldn't get, I still have a hard time getting my head around it, but can you explain this? You got to explain for me again, why someone wants to stay in conflict? Cause I mean, that's essentially what's happening.
0: I I've done, I've, Well, you, you're the doctor. I mean, I call on the doctor. I've done my own, um, just from personal experience, but if you want to go in like psychology mode.
1: I mean, it's generational, right? So his comfort level is in chaos. And if there is any type of smoothness or calmness, he has to mess that up Yeah. because what he knows and what he knows how to control is chaos. He does not know how to navigate or walk through calmness.
0: Yeah. This is yeah. clear this yeah. This. and yeah, and that like the that the 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 belief, I'm gonna just add on that the belief that the world is out to get him, mm-hmm. which is a very dangerous place to be,
1: yeah, and focusing his attention on you, yeah, and poking you to get a reaction yeah. and you were not giving him the reaction he wanted. Uh-uh. so he had to try every way, including poking your partner. Uh-huh. I was ready to fuck shit up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and he not only, I mean, he literally went to, uh, he poked everyone that he could. Oh, we're going to get to that. Uh-huh. I got rapid fire questions Here, for you. And I think we, they're
3: coming. I think they're coming soon,
0: aren't they? Which leads us into our next.
3: Yeah. Cause I think we're, we're getting to a point where yeah. we're going to move into some, some, tie up of this part of the process but really quickly after mediation he needs a judge all of this incomes the c f i yeah and this is from from a friend's perspective this is when things for your community get really fucked up because we all get pulled in yeah yeah and we watch you go through this really hard process. So I think you guys need to speak a little bit for your listeners. What is a CFI and what that process actually was like for you?
0: Incredibly invasive and uncomfortable. Yeah. The CFI um, stands for child family investigator. Um, I think there's also another type of investigator was a PRE. I don't know what they're called. Anyway, um, this was, he agreed to we both had to agree to it um and i'm agreeing because i know that i need more support i and then he's um agreeing to it for well, i don't who know it was why? who knows why um but it was from start to finish it was supposed to be what like maybe 60 days from start to finish it was months. almost like four months um so they come in they you get um, interviewed for hours they come to your house both both houses um i submitted ref I had to ask you all to do you know references and uh, any any accounts of uh, interactions i mean it's just like a like let's just let me just like look into every corner of your every, life look yeah is what it is and then ultimately the cfi is supposed to base off what they gather make the best quote the best a decision in the best interests of the children
2: yeah so the, the when we get to the cfi part the part that was really fascinating is that the judge had told us um in one of the hearings that we had with him that he would be basing the majority of his decisions on what the CFI report says. So like, you know, no pressure there at all to to make sure that you are um, working cooperatively with the CFI. And when you say, Alex, like they come to your house, they don't just come to your house. They have to look into every single room in your house. So your bedrooms, your bathrooms, your closets, your basement, like they have to take a look into every, every space. And then they sit in your house and you know, with like a laptop open and they take notes on everything that's happening and you're just supposed to like act normal. So it's just, you know, you're like, Hey kids, don't mind the guy sitting in the corner, like court reporting, everything we're saying, like, let's just have dinner. Um, And so it's, 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 it's not a comfortable process it ended up being very beneficial to us that we did it because you know you have a third party that's coming into your
0: home and saying like actually they're like kind of amazing yeah i i learned really i learned that you can never you know whether it's the lawyer or the cfi or anybody that's a part of the process you have to always be an active participant in the in the journey like you know he, i think he i think i think their their dad probably were, were like cool i'm going to have these people come in sit back and let them do the work for me and i was ready to like run to the edges of the universe to make sure that that things were safe safer
2: yeah i'm going to summarize and say there was a couple things that so when we when we finished the cfi report um the the the, the investigator actually disappears for 6 weeks like the report was due this is just one of those crazy parts of the story the report's supposed to be in And he literally, like, he went on vacation, he moved, the judge had to send two court orders to him to get him to show up and turn in the report. So the reason I mentioned that is because while we're waiting for that report to come in, ex-husband behavior is like, This is triggering. And, and, you know, I mean, triggering in a way of like his cadence of things that he starts sending to us, because I'm sure from his perspective, he's like, well, I've been investigated. Now I can do whatever the fuck I want. And it, it just goes from what used to be messages, you know, I mean, horrible messages, horrible, horrible messages that he's sending. But it went to it's not just talking parents. It's now emails, it's social media, it's in person, his behavior, like it just shoots through the roof.
3: So at the end of last episode, you said, you know, hold on, things are about to get crazy. So truthfully, we're ending this episode with hold on, things things are are going to get get crazy. But I think to just kind of encapsulate months and months of crazy. We have some rapid fire questions to kind of give you an idea of how crazy things are getting.
0: Well, and can I say really quick that um, there was a part of me that my, my end goal or my focus was that trial that I kind of glazed over or like, I was aware it was on my radar, but I was like, whatever this, you know, I was worried about it, but at the same time I wasn't. And which just sounds kind of maybe strange, but that's just like, because um because and i just lost my train of thought well
2: i i we've talked about this that on some and this is again like i, I guess maybe for couples if you're listening to this like part of what we had to navigate as a couple yeah. is one of us is it you and you're like yep this shit's just coming in every day <sighs> that's what is good yeah get, yeah go ahead
0: do you oh. want me to say it or no you no good yeah I just knew it was going to get, I knew, I knew it was predictably unpredictable. So I knew as the closer we got to the trial, it was going to get worse and worse and worse, regardless of whatever the CFI report said.
2: Yeah. And I was not prepared for that because, you know, I, I, I just wasn't as aware or had processed out what, what abuse looks like. And so from my perspective, I would wake up every day and I'd be like, it can't get crazier than this, right? Like, I think I would say that every day. I'm like, it, this, this this isn't really happening, right? Yeah. And you'd be like, it's fine. And I'm like, this, this feels fine. This yeah. feels like I started to get really scared for our safety. I started to get really, and and when I go through some of the rapid fire questions, like, you know, it's not just targeted as us, it's now targeted at our community,
0: yeah. Um, and it I just even, it's insane. Yeah. I, and we, ta- we had some conversations about this where I even started to kind of want to protect you from him. So I didn't want to share all the messages. Yeah. Um, I, obviously I did, but I was like, oh, fuck, there's, I have to like, and so I was like, let me, let him just hit me. It's fine, but don't do it to her. And, I think but, it's that thing where, you know, you can take so much
2: yourself, but when somebody starts turning it to the person you love oh, that's right. and I, what I said to you is I'm like, right, that's where I've been for years now. I've yeah. been watching this to the person I love. And so I was like, you can say whatever the hell you want to me, asshole. Like I, I'm fine. I'm, <laughs> what was the thing he always, cause if listeners, you know, I always talk about being a thriving queer person. He was sending me messages being like, are you sure you're thriving? <laughs> I'm sure motherfucker I'm fucking thriving. Okay. You ready to do rapid fire and then we'll stop and then we'll stop this one. And then when we come back, um, we'll take you through. I don't know if it'll be the final one. I'm hoping it's going to be the final one. We'll see. Okay. Okay. You ready for your rapid fire? Ready to go. Okay. Did he pretend to be a payroll officer for your employer to get pay information because he didn't believe your pay stubs? Yes. How many times did he do that?
0: Two. 3.
2: And does your organization get charged every time he pretended to be that payroll officer? Yes. Okay, next one. Did he file complaints and this is going to have to be another like rabbit hole that we go down which we're not going to have time to do today, but did he file complaints against your therapist from 2018 who was instrumental in helping support your mental health during transition? Yes. And again, that's going to come back cuz we got to talk about Dora. Um did he uh, oh, oh, bonus question? Did he attempt to obtain the notes from your mental health therapy appointments? Yes. Did he file two complaints against your lawyer, both which were found to be ridiculous and thrown out? Yes. Did the court actually have to stop him and say they would no longer open his complaints unless he submitted to something of merit? Yes. This is my personal favorite one. Did he send an email to your lawyer saying, and I quote, he was doing the same work as her and we should pay him for his legal time and that he deserved the exact same pay as her. Yeah, yes, sure did. <laughs> Just to clarify, your lawyer is a lawyer, right? She went to law school. She's registered with this thing called the Colorado Bar, Bar. Association. <laughs> and she's been a practicing attorney attorney for how many years? I think about 20 and to our knowledge, has he gone to law school? No. Has he passed the bar? No. But he's just representing himself. Yeah. And but some- he's Googled. <laughs> <laughs> well, and bonus round, I got I'm another one to, to Google school, which is important. School. Very. Did he? But so, but essentially saying that he deserves the same amount of money as her. Right. Okay. And did he file complaints with the Colorado Bar Association against her?
0: Yes. That, okay. That she wasn't doing what he wanted her to do.
2: I think that was an actual direct quote, folks. That's what a Google attorneyship gets you. (laughs) Okay.
1: You are not
0: following my orders. Did did he send
2: a letter to the judge saying he will have you? And again, direct quotes. He will have you incarcerated unless you give him what he wants. Yes. Can I ask a bonus question here? Yep. Oh shit. I forgot what my bonus question was. It's come back to me. Okay. Did he send... 18 attempts to settle out of court. Uh, at least. And in those attempts to settle out of court, did
0: he repeatedly ask you for $50,000? Yes. Um, and I mean, no one really ever knew what he wanted because he wouldn't actually outright say, and then would tell my lawyer, yes, I accept your offer of $50,000. And she's like, what the hell? <laughs>
2: again folks i wish we were making this up okay did he claim that you somehow don't have a mortgage and that he could just add twenty thousand dollars to your salary yep did he claim that you were hiding five hundred thousand dollars from your late father's estate
0: yes i I would love to know if i have five (laughs) hundred thousand dollars somewhere no i yeah
2: did he claim that he had the rights to your father's estate, even though you had divorced three years prior to your
0: father's death? Yes. And these are not only yes or no questions. <laughs> Just going to check that on, but we'll get to that part <laughs> later on. It, it, he liked to forget that when we divorced, we sat in mediation and he uh, revealed that he had received a small amount of money from his family's estate. And I said, you know what? You can keep that. That's yours. That's your family's. Just to be clear, Alex. But he wants Yep. Go ahead. Your father passed away. Did he leave you $500,000? Hell no.
2: <laughs> Are you hiding it from me? Do you have a Swiss bank account?
0: <laughs> okay. No, I don't. No, I'm not hiding it. No, I don't.
2: Okay. Has he still not paid child support since 2019 based on the time he actually has the kids? No. <laughs> As you are going through the court process, getting ready for trial, there is numerous deadlines that you have to turn in. All sorts of different things, financial information, um, exhibits, witness lists, all sorts of stuff. There's deadlines. Did he turn
0: in any of his documentation? No, but he's above all of the court ordered dates. <laughs> okay, I'm I getting snarky now. Um, no, he did not turn, (laughs) he, he turned in one of the things and it was late,
2: but financial information being a key part of this. Correct. He He did not turn it in. He did not turn it in. Nope. Did he go to the courthouse repeatedly over the summer and sit in
0: courtrooms, watching other trials to figure out how to lawyer? Yes. He didn't turn in any of his financials and he demanded to see all of mine.
3: And he was going to court to watch other trials. Yes. Just to clarify, you do have a mortgage, right? Yeah. <laughs> we do.
2: Yeah. We've got a mortgage. Like most mm-hmm. people, we have a mortgage and we have bills that we pay every single month. We are not, we are not, we're not trust fund people. We did, it's ridiculous. We, we play by the rules because that's right now how it works. I'm going to just say too, with the financials, you know, you have to turn over like your bank accounts. Right. And so the other party can see money coming in or out. And so one of the things I found super entertaining in this is my grandmother passed away. Um, and it took us a long time to settle her estate. There's a lot of grandkids, all this stuff. My grandmother left me $6,000, which was like wonderful that she did that. My grandmother lived to 102. I think when my grand, she, she didn't even have running water. And this woman, by the time, you know, her, her life is, is, is completed and she's moved on to wherever she's moved on to. She still had a little bit of money left over for all of us. He questioned me about that. He, I'm like, you are not getting grandma Lucy's 6,000 that woman did not have running water in her house you no,
0: mm-hmm. no
2: but anytime like we all venmo each other stuff like you know you pass money back and forth through venmo we've had to answer about like every single venmo and mm-hmm. this fucker wouldn't turn in his financial documents but could go through ours down to the point where my parents Venmoed me money for half of the house we went on to for vacation like it's just maddening do we want to end here for today we we do. we do sure i mean we could um yeah we'll... do we want to give a spoiler alert because if folks think this is bad just wait till what we get to the month before trial
0: yeah we'll 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 pick it up where basically like the cfi report drops and we're off anything you two got for us before
2: we end this one you guys are both looking a little shell shocked
3: <laughs> <laughs> we lived through all of this and it's still like mind blowing to summarize it all into one episode mm-hmm. yeah what do you got Dr. Jag <laughs> I'm still
1: processing yeah. everything that that happened but then also yeah that we we were there supporting y'all and mm-hmm. it's still just like going through it it's like whoa like the yeah this happened
0: it did yeah and and the in the totality of it the ways that um you get sucked into that you get sucked into the the abuse and the back and forth when it's ultimately these two motions. It's very simple. Either take control of your parenting time and
2: make decisions in the best interest of your child. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's it.
0: Yeah.
3: Well, and I think, you know, we'll get into this for the, the last episode, but it is two very simple mo- motions and he used the legal system mm-hmm. to further abuse you and the kids.
0: Yeah. And to drag out to keep getting what he wanted, which was a schedule that benefited him, and for his daughter not to be able to transition—that's so fucked up. Which will, will, which
2: really comes to light, and that's in that's in our next episode. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right, balls you magic. You tell them all the things. I tell do. Them all the things. Um, thanks for listening. Go, go get some. Go get some water. Sorry. <laughs> Don't fuck shit up. We're all fucking shit up. Go get some water. Take a breather. Um, I don't know. Go have sex or something and come back. I don't know whatever you need to do. Um, you can contact us at HowToBeQueerPodcast at gmail.com. Also go check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Find Youth Scene on Instagram and Facebook. Black Pride Colorado on Instagram and Facebook. Um, th- we also have the tick of the talks. The TikToks. Um, yeah. And I'll put everything in the, in the summary for you to connect.
2: Bye. Bye.